do you still do you surf much now that you're in san diego um i haven't been surfing in maybe three years at least which sucks because i used to love it and you know life beats you down (laughs) you don't get to do the things you love anymore Uh, i mean it's a it's a it's a problem for everybody there's lots of things i would love to do but like i still skate i don't know if that counts you still skate yeah, I still skate every now and then, and then I fall and hurt myself, and I go, okay, no more skating for the next few weeks. <laughs> that happened to my roommate. Uh, he was like, he mostly skates as like transportation, or at least he was until he bought a car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would come home. He's like, man, I fell and everything hurts. <laughs> it's just I'm like, yeah, man, you're getting older. Dude, like, skating is brutal in your 30s. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, well, do you, do you know that, um, that Pew 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 song, Mid 20s Skateboarder? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like mid twenty skateboarder. I hope I don't get hurt. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, that's the that's the thing is honestly like the, one of the things that I never got into skating like really too much into skating when I was like a teenager because I got into BMX and within like a few months of doing BMX I broke one wrist and then I broke the other arm after that had healed. I was just like I grew super fast, and apparently I had weak bones. I don't know. Like it was super, that's, so like that's what happens. So, I didn't, so like getting hurt was a real possibility, and so and also because like I never enjoyed the feeling of having a broken bone. Skating seemed much so much more likely <laughs> to give me a broken bone. You are literally just on a piece of wood with wheels going way <laughs> faster than a piece of wood with wheels ought to be going. Yeah, exactly. Whoever I mean, whoever came up with the idea of putting wheels on a piece of wood, genius, <laughs> genius. <laughs> Ma- I was gonna say madman, but like, yes. you know, mad there's, genius. There's, there's a there's a fine line between madman uh, mm-hmm. or insanity and genius. Genius really. and insanity, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you could fucking nose grind that line. You know what I'm saying? Shred that shit. But Darren, what, okay, I don't know what you're saying either, but what are we talking about today? We're talking about uh, Vance Joy's Riptide. It's a song that it was very, very popular about, I don't know, two years ago, three years ago, maybe? Maybe more Dude, would, than I, that now? I, I, Five I years argue. ago? I don't know, time is, song, a, time is a flat circle to me. <laughs> time is a flat circle. Um, I also don't... Uh, this song, I don't think this song ever stopped being popular is the other thing is I fucking hear it everywhere. Yes. Um, it, well, it is tailor made for like a fucking Acura commercial or something, you know? Oh, like, yeah. Absolutely. You, you listen to it and you're just like, oh, yeah, this this kind of thing is going to be on the next Apple commercial for sure. Um, I actually think yeah. it was the like the Spotify commercial song for a while. Might still be. I don't know. Oh yeah, maybe that's. I I just remember when you when you said, "Hey, we should do Riptide." <laughs> I was like, "What fucking song is that?" And then as soon as like with the first ten seconds, or not even first, 10, I would say first two seconds, I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, okay, I know." Yeah, because a fucking ukulele comes in and announces to the world, like, just deal with this shit. Yeah, I mean, when 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 you hear a ukulele on a song, there's one of two songs. It is. It's either that "What a Wonderful World." uh cover (laughs) (laughs) or this song there are no other songs with uh ukulele as and i i will die on that hill (laughs) there are those are the only two ukulele songs oh holy shit 2013 this song is six fucking years old wow god damn yeah time is a flat Um, circle man it's this this (laughs) song has just been going 
So, and let's just really quick, let me just talk about the, the structure of this song is basically the same three chords throughout the entire song. The verse yeah. is structurally identical to the chorus. And, it, you know, uh-huh. it, like, I, I'm fine with that. I don't care. Well, like, yeah, look, no. you, got, you got a good thing going. Don't stop it. <laughs> so the one thing I do want to say about this song is that, so yeah, so it is, uh, they do a good job. And I assume this is mostly the producer's not the James Keough or whatever, however you pronounce his last name. Uh, or so, is it Vance Joy. Is, Vance Joy is, has a real name is what you're like. He has yeah. like a, it's he not Vance a, Joy. <laughs> it's not Vance Joy. Surprisingly, his name is not Vance Joy. <laughs> Could have fooled me. But like, I mean, so the idea of like how they, I think they lay, do a good job of layering instruments. So it's like this, the song structure does not change. And the chord progression does not change in any appreciable yeah. way or at all. Yeah. That's, shouldn't even say any appreciable way no but they, not they even lay- a non-appreciable way <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> so what they have to do is they have to layer other instruments and layer percussion and other things in and take them out and bring them back in yes exactly um, and you mess exactly. with dynamics i mean this is it's, it, lots of songs do this i mean like nirvana did this a lot a lot of like uh grunge a lot of punk does this right oh yeah punk does this all the time where it's just like the same three chords over and over look fucking social distortion has never played a song with oh more than God. three chords in their life right yeah like, and i and i and those three chords are the exact same order all throughout the entire fucking yeah. song <laughs> like there's and in fairness this is a staple of the folk tradition and i think the yeah. idea is the chords are there to just sort of string the lyrics together don't worry about the fancy strong song structures or anything like this like we're here to tell a story yeah we're here yeah. to you know hit you with some poetry that we've set to music in yeah, the sort the, of most bare bones way that we can imagine. Doing. Exactly. The music isn't in, in in the folk tradition. The music isn't the important part. Right. Um. The the here, lyrics though, I are. Would, yeah, the lyrics are. But here, I would say the lyrics are puzzling to say the least. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about this song. Like, <laughs> I, so all right. So when I first we when you first said let's do this song, and I listened to it, I was like, you know what? I like this song. I like it. I like mm-hmm. it a lot. It's a catchy tune. It's a catchy tune. I was like, okay, I like the song. Let's do this. And then I listened to it some more. I listened to it a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> How many times did you listen to this song between last weekend when I texted you that I wanted to do this song? Which, by the way, I was in an airport watching <laughs> Summer League basketball. <laughs> texting you that I want to do Vance Joy's Riptide. <laughs> I think I've listened to this song for a grand total of like, probably an hour and how many times can you get through this song and yeah i mean it's tw- 20 times it's probably so like tw- yeah i would say probably like 20 ish times uh-huh. i've listened to this song and i don't know that i hate it <laughs> yeah where are you at at 20 where are you at at 20 because i'm at like probably 100 at this point oh wow uh yeah, I don't know that I hate it, but I thought it's I would like, have like I had a way stronger feeling about this song when I first heard when I was like first listening to it again, like a really strong like yeah, I like this song. This song is great, and then now I'm kind of like I, I don't know, right? And this is actually you're kind of at a this song is really like a sine wave, right? That you're at a point where the 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 point of this song is to sort of grab you in and be like you have to like it immediately because you're gonna you know we want to sell a bunch of records. And so 
it's the whole thing is designed to get you to be interested in it right off the bat. But then what happens is that it's like a piece of candy that the more you listen to it, you're just like, oh, I'm sick of this. I hate this. This is so awful. And then, yeah. but then a weird thing happens, at least with me, where my ironic appreciation of the song then overtakes the hatred. Mm-hmm. And then I appreciate it again, but in a very different way than when I first heard it. But then my that appreciation wanes, and I'm back down to not liking it again. Yeah. But then there's like this second level of irony that comes back, <laughs> and I would say that like every every like thirty listens or so, my perspective on this song just gets a little bit different. So I'm I'm approximately ten listens short. Of, yeah. Ten of more coming, times you're gonna love it. <laughs> of climbing back up the sine wave. <laughs> 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 okay we need to, let's, let's fucking get into the song because it's it, the lyrics are just something else man i was scared of dentists in the dark i was scared of pretty girls and starting conversations and i love that i love because you think it's going to be a certain type of thing right like uh-huh. okay he's going to talk about all of his fears and how he got over his fears i love yeah. the use of was here because then he's just like he never comes back to this he's like yes i was scared of this stuff Anyway, like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like, you can't just say that and then never bother to explain what that was about. I mean, it sets it up as a potentially a coming-of-age song where it's, hey, these are... I mean, okay, who wasn't fucking afraid of dentists or the dark when they were a kid? Right, Uh, yeah. That's childhood shit, though, right? You're like an actual child. Yeah, and then, then, you know, you go into, like, being a teenager and being, you know, I don't know, I wouldn't say that I don't know that I was ever afraid of pretty girls, but, I mean, definitely that anxiety of, like, starting a conversation with somebody new. Intimidated by pretty girls, right? Sure. Yeah, for sure. And that's, like, a, that's a post-puberty kind of thing. Yeah, I think I I I was just too stupid to uh, be intimidated by pretty girls, so... That makes sense. I think that I think it's one possibility. I don't want to say because I was I don't, I'm not going to say that I was like some Casanova when I was like a teenager or post post pubescence, but like I think I just might have been too dumb. <laughs> like, that, that's, to yeah, that, yeah. I was too like I was almost too awkward, right? Like, like I was so awkward that it didn't occur to me to be scared of those of that or intimidated yeah. by that. Yeah, so I think was... that weirdly worked in my favor as like a you know preteen or whatever. Yeah, so um, I think that I think it worked out. I mean, I get it. Don't get me wrong; like I still have plenty of anxiety now as an adult uh, with the world closing in on me. Yeah, I mean, I'm still <laughs> scared of pretty girls and starting conversations, <laughs> and not to mention dentists in the dark. <laughs> so, and then he okay. follows it up with, "All my friends are turning green." And I think this could mean a few things. This could be a metaphor for his friends are getting richer, right? Okay. You know, or they're, you know, reducing their carbon footprint. <laughs> I think that's maybe. Like, I thought they were getting sick. That was the. And was then, like, yeah, oh. or they're getting sick. And I think that, and we'll get into this idea of green as this sort of fame chasing poison. Right. Like the the green is the the dollar signs in the eyeballs. And, you know, we're going to get this girl that moves to California or whatever. Okay. And I think that's kind of what's going on here is that all his friends are chasing their dreams in a way that is actually slightly destructive to them. And yeah, I would uh, I I think based on what comes later in this song, I think that's probably going to be the most correct interpretation. And then he goes, yeah, the magician's assistants in their dreams. First of all, you can't start that shit with yeah. 
yeah, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Okay, so it's this like song, he's this... trying to fool us into thinking that he's making sense, but like, dude, no. Okay, first off, this song is filled with like a shit ton of lyrical lies. As I, <laughs> yes, as... <laughs> these are some lyrical lies for sure. Which like, where I'm like, is is it yeah or your or like? It was one of those things like I I I, I didn't like when listening to the song because I didn't look up the lyrics until I had listened to the song like three or four times. Okay, and then I looked up the lyrics. I was like, shit, that's what it says. Yeah, so I think it's supposed to be yeah, the magician's assistant in their dreams. Okay, like in other words, I think what he's saying is that they're turning green. You know what they're doing is that they think that they're the magician's assistant in their dreams. That's what they. That's a dream of theirs that is causing okay. the dollar sign sickness. Okay. But that's uh, being a magician's assistant. That's a that, that's a dying <laughs> career. I, I would uh, I, I I think you want to go for game show assistant, I think, is going to be <laughs> I, the better yeah, choice. I think, I think that magician's assistant is kind of a kind of a low bar. Like if that's the if that's the dream you're chasing, like, you yeah, know, like there's say, a, you gotta do what makes you happy. But at the same time, I would say aim higher. Yeah, aim higher. Yeah, go that. for magician who knows <laughs> hey you know dream big you might never wake up that's a quote so and i love yeah like he just but at the at this point in the song you don't know any of this stuff so it literally just sounds like he's speaking in fucking code right he just like comes <laughs> right. up to you and he's like we're we're like intentionally vague and mysterious yeah, like oh hey the magician's assistant in their dreams and you're like oh the owl flies at dawn or something right like you're just like okay <laughs> what are you a cia agent <laughs> okay so okay so we're gonna execute uh the yeah, president of lebanon assistant in their dreams got it <laughs> all right all right got it okay and then he's like and then he's like fuck it i'm just gonna howl i'm just gonna like this song just needs a good howl <laughs> i mean it is a good howl you it know, is a I good will... howl. yeah he, he howls with the best of them and then yeah. he turns his howl into like an aha uh-huh, is how yeah. I would describe his howl. Yeah. Uh oh. Aha. Uh-huh, oh. Like it, it's a very strange sound, onomatopoeic sound. Sure. And I listen to it like I listen to just this thing for like six six times just to just to figure this out. Best part of the song, by the way. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw that down. That this wow. little howl is the best part of this song. Okay, that is not what I think the best part of this song is. <laughs> we'll get to your best part later. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's coming. It's it's coming, but it's it's not this part. And then they come unstuck, and listen, I'll tell you who's unstuck, pal. It's you and these fucking weird lyrics of yours. <laughs> is that right. is this a reference to uh, Slaughterhouse Five, where Billy Pilgrim com- be- he comes unstuck in time? Do you know what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about. Okay, from my experience, with, and because I made this transition into playing almost like folky punk rock like i stopped playing with a band and just played punk with just my acoustic guitar yes you sad up... guy punk sad guy punk yeah yeah, yeah yeah i ended up playing with a lot of like folk bands and like alt country bands and there's a lot of like this like throwing in like i could totally see this being a slaughterhouse five reference because they're trying to be deep and interesting. And it's like, dude, that's stupid. This makes no sense with the rest of the fucking song. Stop being, stop trying to be smart. (laughs) Right. Yeah, totally. It's like, just be sincere. Like, just, just, you don't, yeah, you don't need to be the annotated fucking Shakespeare over here. You just need to say what you're feeling in a compelling way. Cause like, I mean, I think they're, they're as artists can write things in such a way that is absolutely beautiful and gorgeous and says something. And then you can have 
what the fuck does and they come unstuck mean <laughs> right. like like it sounds pretty but it means nothing you can become the get up kids like that's what these are your, these are your options is you can be beautiful yeah. and poetic and say stuff or you can be the get up kids where it sounds pretty and then you listen to it and you're like this means nothing right like, right and he's he this vance joy fella really rides that line doesn't he but sure like okay but i think you know, some of this stuff comes together the more you i mean that is the, also always the challenge is you know songs you build each line builds upon the next or the one before it i should say yeah so then we get to the chorus which as mentioned same structure as the verse yeah and and catchy is the, all hell very <laughs> catchy it really is very catchy i can't stress that enough but then, what do you think of the the use of the word lady in the very beginning? That always struck me as very strange. Like, lady, it's, it almost sounds like, like, I don't know, my mom used to do this. Like, we'd be <laughs> driving, and she'd be like, lady, what are you doing? To, the like, the car in front of her. So I can't listen to the to this without thinking about, like, <laughs> your mom's joy in, in his car lady. yelling at someone. Well, I mean, lady! I mean, if you're running down to the riptide, I think that would be an appropriate response. Lady! What lady. are you doing? <laughs> what, are you, what is happening? What are you doing? Um... Yeah, I wouldn't, you know, you don't want to run, you know, for those who are not familiar with the ocean, riptides are not where you want to be. No, that's, that's frankly a very dangerous place for the lady to be going. So maybe that is what he's doing. Like, lady, what are you doing? You're running straight into danger. Yeah, stop. And then taken away to the dark side like she's fucking Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. Um, this would have been around the time the prequels were coming out. So, yep. yeah. So this is clearly uh, a pop pop culture that's reference. That's not at all true. <laughs> Isn't it though? <laughs> no, the prequels were. Oh, that's right. They were like 1998 was when the first prequel came out. Okay, you're right. You're right. <laughs> so this is this is 15 years later. Hey, okay, uh, whatever. Still, his probably his formative years. That's true. That's, that's, that's he, a, he really likes. He's a real Star Wars. I'm gonna I'm gonna salvage that. I'm gonna salvage my idiocy <laughs> with with these, the the prequels mattered a lot to him when he was a teenager. <laughs> yeah and then i want to be your left hand man which to me this is such painful try hard shit right being someone's right hand man is like a common idiom so he's like i know what i'll do i'll change it up i'll be your left hand man well so i thought so the the other interpretation to me and this is a i mean it's a reach, <laughs> it's, a reach. It's, a, it's a fucking reach is that you know you wear your wedding ring on the left hand Oh. And so I was like, is that the reference? Oh. Like, so that was the reference that I came away with is that so he's like yeah. the left hand man in the sense that I will wear a wedding ring on. Right. On my left hand. For which, you, which I'm, I'm not yet at the point where I'm going to refer to you by your name, but I do want to marry you. But I do want to marry you. And also I uh, 100% did not think it said left hand man. I heard it the first few times. I want to be your method man. And I was like, <laughs> What? I'll be your method man, you be my red man, let's do this, lady. (laughs) I was like, so it took me a long time of this lyrical lie of being like, why does you want to be her method man? That doesn't doesn't make any sense in the context of the rest of this song. And then I looked at the lyrics, I was like, okay, left hand man makes way more sense. And now I can't not hear left hand man. So then he says... I love you when you're singing the song and I got a lump in my throat because you're going to sing the words wrong. And this I, is some toxic masculinity shit right here. He is 
physically reacting to some shit that he just made up about her not knowing the words. Right? Yeah. Like, it hasn't even happened yet, and he's angry about this future hypothetical event where she's going to sing the words wrong. Yeah. I mean, like, that's, and that's such a weird thing because, like, I, you know, I've uh, had relationships where, and I, and hell, I just do this myself, but, like, where I found it adorable or, like, very endearing when the person didn't know the right lyrics or tried to sing along and wasn't able right. to. And yeah. and I do that all the time. Like, I'm really, I'm like, oh, shit, no, that's the, it's like, oops, that's not the right chorus. <laughs> like, right. the, the right yeah. verse. But yeah. But it's weird that he's, right, that he has a lump in his throat that it, ha- maybe it's, maybe it's, uh, he likes that? I don't know. Maybe, maybe, like, makes him tear, well, which is weird, because, like, I don't understand why he would, like, potentially, because you, you associate be having a lump in your throat with, like, tearing up, or, yeah. like, feeling some sort of, like, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, I guess maybe you would get a lump in your throat if you're, like, happy crying. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that feels like, so uh, I can't tell <laughs> you. <laughs> I've never been happy enough to cry about it in my life. So. Happy so, yeah, I guess cr- that if you say I got a lump in my throat because you're going to sing the words wrong, essentially what you're saying is it's like so uh, it's overwhelmingly adorable that you're going to do that thing. It still feels weird to me, though, for some reason. I mean, that's that's I think that's the charitable reading. I think the charitable reading is that it's a positive feeling. Or it's like a some sort of like it's like so cute you could cry <laughs> over it. I don't yeah. know. Like I mean, there's a it, lot of it reading. does seem a little fetishistic though. Is the oh, only thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that. Especially the way that yeah, the way it keeps going. So then we get there's this movie that I think you'll like. We're we're into the second verse, which okay. by the way, chord structure staying the same. We're, Hasn't changed. We're writing this. Hasn't changed. It's a movie that I think you'll like, which I think is funny because he he doesn't just name the fucking movie. He, like, explains the plot of the movie. Could you imagine if your friend recommended you a movie like this? It's like, (laughs) oh, yeah, cool. Let me Netflix. Let me search Netflix for guy decides to quit his job and heads to New York City. Thanks for the recommendation, Vance. All right. What movie do you think he's talking about? Is a real question now. I... I assume Midnight Cowboy, but that's like, what I was thinking. But, but like, I don't but I don't, I, don't, ever, I don't know that I've seen that recently enough to really remember the plot of it. So yeah, this. I mean, that was the other thing. Is like, is that is that the plot of Midnight Cowboy? Because I, <laughs> I don't think it is. But like, I know New York City is. It's like, you know, hey, I'm walking here, kind of thing. Yeah, and then well, and also I think that both of us thought of that because he says. This cowboy's running from himself. Yeah, so I I don't think he has a love interest, so it's probably not Midnight Cowboy. Yeah, I don't I don't fucking know. But that's the point, is that he's like, here's this movie, and she's like, what is she gonna go to the video store and like, hey, you got any cowboy running from yourself movies <laughs> in the back? <laughs> well, it's like r- cowboy running from himself and like alcoholic lover of some sort situation is how I interpret the next line. She's been um, living on the highest shelf. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think see- of that as two things, right? Like, okay. she's also, like, living beyond her means. Like, she's a woman of okay. sort of, you know, high, high cost of living kind of woman. Sure. Right. Also, is this the woman, is this lady, or is this the woman from the movie? It's got to be the woman from the movie. This would make okay. no sense if he's talking about the lady. I, oh, I, as that's... if any of the other <laughs> lyrics make sense. <laughs> It makes it makes less sense. <laughs> <laughs> the 
Yeah, well, I guess, like, okay, so she could be, like, fancy and uh, want, you know, living an extravagant lifestyle. I, I don't know. To me, it just screams, like, highest shelf. Like, you're thinking top shelf liquor. Like, yes. she's an alcoholic. Yeah, I... This is trying to be a poetic way of saying she's alcoholic. Right. Which, like, but, she's only, I... but she's a fancy alcoholic, right? She's not drinking right. fucking old English. She's drinking, yeah, like, she's top shelf. you know, Laphroaig 12 years. Yeah. Stuff. Which is, like, yeah. yeah. So, I think, I think it's both interpretations are the easy way to to look at it and i'm like okay and then but also all right so person who's running from themselves and then alcoholic partner that is like a hollywood movie cliche so yes. sure like all right this, this movie exists let's assume yep <laughs> like uh, and we're back to the howl right then yeah then we howl again let's <laughs> throw another howl in there uh <laughs> for, for no reason whatsoever Love it. And then the beat kind of, it does this kind of groovy, like, samba thing. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, again, the structure doesn't change. But because they have to do it, they have to do this, like, the, you know, things cut out, and then the drums kind of do this, like, funky beat. And it's, yeah. it's kind of interesting to see just how much stuff this song does to keep people from noticing how repetitive it is. Well, yeah, I mean, well, you have to, like, yeah. so, and, and again, like I said, I think that's the strong part of the production is that you've got this incredibly repetitive song that they do enough interesting stuff in the background to distract you from that incredibly, incredibly great three chords that he's using over and over <laughs> yeah. and over again. Classic three chord structure there. <laughs> And then we get to the bridge, which does actually change the structure of the song. They actually yes. like go to a four chord kind of thing. Yes, I mean very, and again, very standard folk musicy thing to do, and even just pop musicy thing to do. Just you know, you add a fourth chord, change the chords around, maybe even the order around a little bit to give it just a different feel. And honestly, this is the best part of the song to me. Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. The bridge, well, is other than other than the howl. <laughs> this is the best structural part of the song. Hey, to you, man, that's fine. The howl is number two to me. This is the this is absolutely the best. Howl is number one with a bullet. Well, mostly because it's like it's to me, it's the closest in the entire song as far as having a cohesive. I know what the fuck he's saying the entire time. Yes, like, that's true. And not only do I can I understand him, but I know what he's getting at. I, right. I relate to. I just want to know if you're going to stay. I just got to know. I can't have it any other way. Right. That is like a relatable thing. He like, he drops all the weird, you know, grad school nonsense. And he just kind of yeah. gets back to, hey, what's what's going on with us? You know? Yeah. What's, what's the deal with us right now, lady? And, you know, clearly what we've set up here is, I don't know what this guy is doing. Clearly something very different from her, but it's like, I swear she's destined for the screen. Um, so you have all these friends that he alludes to back, say, at the very first line. These people who are chasing these dreams yes. of being, I don't know why, magician's assistants. But <laughs> magician's assistant let's, for let's, some let's reason. Let's assume that means actor. Let's, let's assume that's like a poor stand-in for he just didn't want to say actor or actress. Right. Or maybe it's, you know, magician's assistant is a role that she is trying out for in the new, you know, in the in the new Edward Norton movie about the magician. <laughs> yes, because I mean, I, I can't believe Edward Norton keeps making magician movies. Really... <laughs> Every Edward Norton movie is about a magician. I, <laughs> you can't I, convince me otherwise. I, I mean, uh, Fight Club, definitely about a magician. Yeah. Uh, the American Hulk, History definitely X. a magician. 
Yeah, American History X. This guy, it's about ki- people who are one thing and then change and become another thing. If that's exactly. not a magician, what's, I don't know what the fuck yeah. it is. What's more magic than that? <laughs> so, yeah, Edward Norton has yet to not play a magician. So, whatever. Uh- <laughs> uh, so, she, so, I also like, and again, uh, they, he says, he does the thing again that, that always bugs me, is that he mispronounces Michelle Pfeiffer. But this is funny because he does it. He says Michelle Pfeiffer, and I always <laughs> think he's gonna say Michelle Foucault. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be the most amazing thing ever, right? If he's like, she is the closest thing to Michelle Foucault that I've ever seen. <laughs> she is going to become a post-structuralist theorist. It's oh my god! Amazing. She needs to go to LA and follow her dream of She's... writing about systems of discipline and shit. <laughs> yeah, dis- discipline and punish. She's, <laughs> she's gonna go write the new discipline and punish. <laughs> oh my god, that would be that would be fucking something else. Anyway, okay, so, so we're back to. Aside from, okay, she's gone on to become Michelle Foucault, or really Pfeiffer. <laughs> she's, going, she's going back to L.A. to become Michelle Foucault. But this <laughs> this is really the line that kind of makes me reevaluate what's going on in the song. Right? Yeah. Because Lady is obviously running away and running from herself, clearly, but also very clearly running from this dude, right? Yeah. And, like, that's the whole... That's the whole shtick of, are you going to stay, or, like, are you running away from me? And so this titular riptide... Right, yep. stay with me here, is Hollywood, is the sort of Hollywood destructive system, right? This yes. idea that it just it it just churns out and, and attracts all these people that are just, they think they're just destined to be stars, and then it just immiserates them yeah. and, and throws them away. Well, because I forget, um, I, I think it was like last time, I, not last time I was at, at um, Awesome Fest, but like two years ago when I met your friends. Uh, right, from, right. Like, shout out to Dan and Kyle. Shout out to Dan and Kyle. Um, I feel like it was like with them, we were having the conversation of like, can we predict what what thing this person came to L.A. to do and like wasn't, right. able, was, wasn't able to do and like failed at? What dream of theirs specifically was crushed by Hollywood? Yeah. Like what? Yeah, they couldn't, you know, get in to like whatever, whether it was like stand-up comedy or Hollywood or you know, because I mean that, that that's the thing with like chasing fame like that is it's such a, I mean even and for me it was music. It's like the probability or chance of like making it is so much to do with like connections and luck versus yeah, like sure. raw acting talent. Right. Like I mean I don't know how many people how many like big name actors. You know, I'll look, I'll go to their Wikipedia, and it turns out mom and dad, mom or dad or both, were were famous actors. <laughs> it's right, like right, exactly. Or and, they were an amazing actor, but they they stuck with it, you know, as a waiter for forty years until they finally got their big break. Right, exactly. Right, and it's like, well, they were. It wasn't like they just became an amazing actor. They were probably a very good actor for a lot of that time, and were still waiting tables because that's what you do. And then you eventually either give up or you make it big or you die. Those are basically your three options. Yeah, exactly. But everybody thinks they can move there. I mean, and that's and that's the thing about like to me, like either going to New York or L.A. is you know and i mean i think i had friends like this in high school who were like they were very beautiful or very attractive people um maybe they did theater or whatever and they're like i'm gonna move to la or i'm gonna move to new york and i'm gonna do this 
And if you've never been to LA or New York, it is filled with conventionally attractive people. Like, yeah, you are no longer the most attractive person in your community. Like you are now attractive person number 984 or whatever. Right. And that that to me was like, actually like I got the experience of like when I got to grad school, it's like, oh shit, I'm no longer the smartest person in the room. Like it's like everybody is way smarter than I am. You know, and that happens. Like you move out of the situation of like some small area and all of a sudden you go to the place where everybody is talented at the thing that you want to do. And it's like, holy shit, these people are more talented or they have a better work ethic or they're just prettier or whatever it is. No, and it's got to just be maddening, right? Like that's just th- this this idea that you this is your dream your whole life, and then you go, and it's this, it's not, it doesn't exist the way you thought it did, right? But what's interesting about this, right, is that you know, so so if we go back to the Riptide, then the dark side is is Hollywood, right? That that she's foolishly chasing her dreams, going yeah. to Hollywood, and that's the dark side. But really, he's importing all this baggage onto the fact. That what he's really sad or mad about is that she's leaving him, right? And it's this like it's this weird love triangle. But instead of like two guys vying for her, it's this guy vying for her against her, her dreams. own dreams of yeah. of you know making it big in Hollywood, which is like such a such a shitty thing to hold somebody back from. Yeah, that it's like I mean, don't get me wrong. It's like you know we've now said like. You know, like Hollywood, New York, like all these things can be very toxic and very bad for people. But like if they have the gumption or they have the desire to chase their dreams, don't hold them back. (laughs) Like, like, especially if it's like because he he heaps during the during the bridge, heaps all this praise on her, like swears she's destined for the screen. Closest thing to Michel Foucault Pfeiffer that you've ever (laughs) seen. Well, and I think that he's coming. He's. The second that the the bridge is really, he he's asking the question, are you going to stay? But he knows. He already knows the answer. And so then the idea of like, you know what? You're destined for the screen. Like he's resigned to it by the end yeah. of the song, which I think is actually kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and then he brings it down a notch, right? Because, you know, let's take it down. Yeah, Sensitive you- means not too loud. That's kind of what he's <laughs> going for here. And because she's gone, I'm sad. Let's tone it down a little bit, guys. Let's, yeah. let's take it down. And then, and then he kind of takes it back up a notch. Right. Right. He's like, okay, I I grieved. I did my sad thing, and now I'm gonna celebrate the fact that we had this relationship at all. I think this is what I like about this song. I think there's a when you're dealing with a relationship or dealing with a potential breakup of something or you know especially something like this where it's like it's just not the right timing i feel like for these two people it's like this person has this dream that they want to pursue you're he i mean the song could very easily be him following her to chase this dream and the song is then about like the breaking of her heart from right being ground into the riptide and the dark side of hollywood but it almost like reads to me as like a breakup song that he's like making trying to make sense of this like starting with his weird childhood fears then like talking about all kinds of shit that just makes no fucking sense yeah these like these these sorts of pathologies and things well and then when you think about what the song means being scared of dentists in the dark kind of does make sense because we already have Hollywood as the dark side, mm-hmm. right? But then dentists is the idea of 
the sort of the smile and the plastic sort of fake, you know, presentation of the superficial self that she would have to go through. And he's scared of that. That is not right. Cause that's his competition yeah. in, on some level. So he's scared of those things, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Also because he's, he's kind of like a werewolf cause he's howling. So maybe he's scared <laughs> of the dentist for that reason. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't want to bite his dentist or his dentist would figure yeah. out. Cause I mean, we all know that dentists, um, uh, prior to their modern profession were uh they were barbers and werewolf hunters yeah that's a classic dentist yeah uh, i, I they, mean they, they train you in dental school how to like deal with werewolves yeah exactly i mean you want to i think i think it's like you spend a solid six months in dental school learning how to deal with werewolves and spot the signs of werewolfism during the day but it's it's it all has to do with the teeth like it's easier to see in the teeth yeah, that's yeah, because I mean that's the that's the first sign of a werewolf, right? Is you got the big old teeth. Right, exactly. Makes sense um, to me. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, kudos, they they're really truly heroes, um, doing the Lord's work. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to how to transition from that. Uh, there, there isn't one. <laughs> does this song slap? You know what? I'm gonna say yes. I'm I'm gonna say this song slaps. Yeah, you know what? It's I think it's a it's low on the slap scale, but I do think it slaps. No, I, I think it I, has enough good things going on. I think like, you know what? It ekes its way in. Yep. Yeah, just just barely. I think really at the end, really the fact that he turns around and acknowledges that he was being a controlling asshole and that she should go follow her dreams, even though he knows. Yeah. That those dreams might be the thing that destroys her. I think that that is what gets this song into slap territory. And so, and so, I think this is a this is a this is an interesting moment in in does it slap uh, <laughs> history of you know because a lot of songs we've talked about are like you know they either slap or they don't. And this is right. one that we're talking about that it's like oh it has its moments and then the more you listen to it it comes back down but it comes back up. But I think. On average, of the highs and lows, the highs are a lot higher than the lows are low. So this yeah, song slaps. It's it's right but there. Just barely. <laughs> but just barely. But it slaps. Next time on Does It Slap, we'll be talking about Can't Hide Red by Florida Georgia Line featuring Jason Aldean. You can find Does It Slap on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, shit, just about everywhere. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends and give us a five-star rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. The reviews will help other people find the podcast. In your review, feel free to tell us what song you want us to give the slap treatment. Who knows? We might just add your favorite song to the slap canon. Follow us on Twitter at Does It Slap Pod. Our theme music is provided by the patron saints of slap, New Junk City. Find a link to their band camp down in the episode description. Our cover art is done by Jeremy Hammond. Find him on Twitter at Jeremy Thunder. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Boom, and we're out.